Mm. There's many theories on why or what happens with a hot flush, like what exactly is going on. Um, some in the medical community community will, will say maybe it's a drop or a lack of estrogen because mm. now you're not ovulating and so, or, or you're having some irregularities. So maybe there's a lack of estrogen. Um, some believe maybe it's a lack of serotonin because actually when estrogen is lower then estrogen itself can stimulate serotonin. And so they connect those two together. Maybe that has something to do. I would sit there and tell you that I don't think anything of that is true um, because those are still occurring. And certainly serotonin also being a stress hormone, um, it would be more of likely that those increases would trigger a hot flash. But from the kind of the bioenergetic view, we would look at a hot flashes comes on essentially related to uh, like hypoglycemia, low blood sugar, stress mm. response. Mm. Um, anytime your body isn't regulating properly, maybe you're too overly stressed under eating, too much is going on, or for some reason your body can't utilize the energy you're putting in it, then you can experience a hot flash and it's your body's like kind of thermostat trying to regulate you. Welcome to the Weight Loss for Women podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can eat more, train less, and lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and Saturate, creator of pro-metabolic food supplements and seriously saturated skincare. And today I have our good friend Kate Deering back on the podcast for the umpteenth time she's been on a number of times i highly recommend going back and listening to all her episodes and buying a cop of cop a cop a copy a copy of her book how to heal your metabolism follow her on instagram she's just awesome we love kate kate and I always say that we are sisters from another mister i think that's the saying she um like me partied hard in her youth drank a lot, took a lot of drugs, um, and just, yeah, we just loved to party. We starved ourselves, um, you know, did all the crazy restrictive diets. Thank goodness that we found the light. But uh, Kate is 50 now. Yeah, she, her and I actually share the same birthday, um, January 28th. I'm 27th, but it actually, like, falls on the same day because of the time difference. Does that even make sense? But anyway, she's in her 50s. I'm in my 40s. And, a lot of the women that we work with and chat to um, are going through perimenopause and menopause and having or experiencing a lot of um, issues. So hot flushes, you know, night sweats, weight gain, um, you know, brain fog. And I think that while those symptoms are very common, uh, they're just not necessary. You know, I think uh, a lot of the women that we work with, once they improve their nutrition, their lifestyle, their training, lower that stress, that they find that they can actually change their body composition, lose weight, and those symptoms disappear. So, you know, um, those symptoms are a sign of a stressed system. But the good news is that you can improve them. Um, so you can take the power back. And in this this episode specifically, we talk more about hot flushes or hot flushes um, and what actually causes them. And I think there's a bit of a misconception that it is caused uh, by a lack of estrogen. So. In this episode, we talk a little bit more about, you know, what is perimenopause, what is menopause, you know, how these symptoms, like I said, are normal but not necessary, what are hot flashes, um, the impact of stress on menopausal symptoms, HRT and how it works, estrogen's impact on other hormones and how it can affect your energy levels, 
what taking progesterone can do for you and how a low metabolism impacts estrogen and progesterone. Um, and then we talk a little bit about the fertility awareness uh, method and five foundational things you can in, do to improve your hot flashes and menopausal symptoms. So ladies, as always, uh, take a screenshot and share your biggest takeaways on Instagram stories um, and tag me at K-I-T-T-Y-B-L-O-M-F-I-E-L-D. Um, and each month I pick someone who's shared and they win a tub of saturate premium collagen. And if you're a woman who's listening to this and you're new here or you've been following me for a while, I highly recommend you jump in and do our seven-day challenge. So we designed this challenge after work, after working with, you know, women. We, we mostly attract women in their late 30s, 40s, and 50s um, who've done a lot of restrictive diets and who are experiencing these perimenopausal and menopausal symptoms. Um, you know, women who I guess just want to eat more and eat real food and not have to spend hours and hours in the gym or bike or, you know, have to try and cut carbs and, you know, cut sugar and cut dairy out of their diet who just want to eat real food and obviously improve those symptoms and lose weight. So basically the seven day uh, challenge is, I think it's a combination, I guess, of all of the foundations that we use to get our clients' results. So unlike other programs that you find online, it's a holistic approach. So it provides you with everything you need for long-term success, better better energy, more, you know, better moods, better sleep, better digestion, balancing those hormones, and, of course, sustainable long-term weight loss or body composition change. So you get a full meal plan, a workout plan for home and the gym, a training exercise video library to guide your workouts. We've got metabolically supportive recipe book, advanced supplement guides, um, and a direct community to get support from, and most importantly, education. So we're not just going to tell you what to do. We're going to explain to you the why, the why, so that you can understand um, and really get educated on your body and nutrition and training so you can achieve those um, sustainable results. So ladies, time to, to take control back and stop starving yourself. And finally get those those results. So I'm going to pop that um, link to the seven-day challenge in the show notes. It's $27 Australian dollars, uh, lifetime access. You can start it at um, any time. Welcome back, Kate, for the 50,000th time. I feel like 50,001 today. <laughs> we joke around this should be the Kitty and Kate show. Right. Should be. <laughs> it's been like how many years? Six, seven? Yeah, it's been eight. Well, since we opened the gym. Yeah. Remember I shared that post with you about how we gave away your book, I think, to someone had won something or maybe we'd posted happy birthday or something. I can't yeah. remember. But yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you did that. So it's been a yeah. while. It's been a while. Kate's, I uh, not even know if I'm supposed to say this, but she's going to start writing. <laughs> Craig's was like, you're such a good big mouth, Kitty, you know. Anyway, Kate's going to be working on a new project soon, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Project starting soon. Yeah, exactly. Which is Good words. Very exciting. Very exciting. So today we wanted to talk more about menopause and some of the questions that come up around menopause whenever, you know, we've done this actually really great podcast where I picked Kate's brain about all things menopause. So scroll back if you haven't listened to that one and listen to that first. I think also the podcast we did with um, Dr. Ray Pete, where we talked a bit more about HRT and estrogen. That's another good one to listen to. Um, but I think Kate has a really good way of taking complex subjects and topics and just, you know, making them easy to understand. Well, that's what everyone tells me when they listen to the podcast. So it's really good. So, um, do you want to start with, maybe just, in, just to start like, 
like menopause? What 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 is menopause? It's complete hell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, I think it, it probably gets a bad name, but I mean, in the terms of how it's defined, you know, it's essentially when a, when a woman doesn't have a period for uh, 12 months and she would be considered in menopause, right? So you're no longer ovulating for post 12 months. So you have one final ovulation, one final period, 12 months later, if you're not having a period, you are considered in menopause. So there's usually never a woman that after 12 months will have a period. And that is when you are no longer ovulating. So hormones definitely shift in a woman at that point in time. Mm. Usually and, comes and, yeah. and they, they diagnose it primarily these like symptoms prior. So maybe you have some uh, uh, period irregularities. Maybe you're experiencing hot flashes, um, but primarily it's symptomatic. And the, the, the lack of a period for 12 months is when you are told you are in menopause. You don't necessarily need a blood lab. In fact, many doctors recommend to not get blood labs, to not utilize blood labs to diagnose menopause because you can actually get very normal blood lab number blood blood lab numbers um, on your final period. So there would be you know, and you can also get irregular numbers throughout the perimenopausal time. You know, doesn't mean that you're in menopause yet. It just means that you might be in this transitional time. So it's normally not recommended for someone in a normal menopausal stage to get blood labs. You don't need them. Um, you utilize symptoms. You know, if you're experiencing other reasons, if you're young and you're not having a period, then that might be wise to get some blood labs done. But for someone who is experiencing, you're at age, you're in your mid forties, you're starting to have irregular periods. Maybe you're experiencing hot flashes or sleep, you know, sleeplessness, all the symptoms that might come with a hormonal shift, then you would be considered that you are in that perimenopausal time. And if you don't have a period for 12 months, then you are in menopause, but not real need for you. You kind of kind of understand that's where it is. And, and if you're experiencing them, then there would be things you could do, certainly naturally, dietarily, so forth, that can kind of help those symptoms. So Kate, so menopausal symptoms like insomnia, hot flashes, night sweats, common, common, but not normal. So like if you're healthy, should you just go through menopause and have minimal symptoms? Uh, I think for the most part, you can definitely get through menopause with minimal symptoms, right? So if we look at it, like 80 to 90% of women will probably experience hot flashes. Mm. So where are we going to go with normal, right? What do we define mm. normal as? So is normal what everybody experiences? That's normal, right? Mm. So do you have to? Is it necessary? Not necessarily. Um, but it, do, do the majority of people experience these things? Yes. So it's not something to be ashamed about. It's and, and that's why I say it's quite normal for mm. women to experience this, but it's not necessarily necessary for them to experience. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. All right. So let's then, should we start to talk about hot flushes? So what are hot flushes? Flashes, I should say. Flushes, hot flashes. What are they? <laughs> <laughs> Burning in hell. Yeah. Also hell. Yeah. Um, a hot, I mean, it's basically a warmth to the skin, right? It can make you, it can make you sweat. It can make your skin turn red. There's kind of a flushing that occurs. Um, the million dollar question is like, why do women or experience it? It's not even women because men can also experience a hot flash. Mm. There's many theories on why or what happens with a hot flash, like what exactly is going on. Um, some in the medical community, community will, will say maybe it's a drop or a lack of estrogen 
because mm -hmm. now you're not ovulating and so, or, or you're having some irregularities. So maybe there's a lack of estrogen. Um, some believe maybe it's a lack of serotonin because actually when estrogen is lower then estrogen itself can stimulate serotonin. And so they connect those two together. Maybe that has something to do. I would sit there and tell you that I don't think anything of that is true um, because those are still occurring. And certainly serotonin also being a stress hormone, um, it would be more of likely that those increases would trigger a mm -hmm. hot flash. But from the kind of the bioenergetic view, we would look at a hot flashes comes on essentially related to uh, like hypoglycemia, low blood sugar, stress mm. response. Mm. Um, anytime your body isn't regulating properly, maybe you're too overly stressed under eating, too much is going on, or for some reason your body can't utilize the energy you're putting in it, then you can experience a hot flash and it's your body's like kind of thermostat trying to regulate you. And mm. it, it kind of misfires. It's thinking that you need to cool down on some level. So it just throws a bunch of heat onto your skin and it creates that flushing response. So one of the other hormones that's kind of instigating that is nitric oxide. And anytime you have a increase in nitric oxide, which is a vasodilator, it's going to kind of bring blood to the skin, which is gonna create that heat and, and sweat and flushing response. And you'll feel very hot and you'll feel like you're burning up. Um, but we also know that when you are having a hot flash, your internal body temperature is normally cooler. So mm. if you are in the middle and you can think about it, you can take your internal body temperature and you'll find out, yes, you're actually cooler, not hotter when you have a hot flash. So it's kind of your body's like kind of irregularly trying to respond to a stimuli that um, is getting signal from a stress response. And that stress response can be very much connected to your, your body's inability to regulate your blood sugar. And so any woman can, that at least that I've talked to, can definitely confirm that when they are under more stress and they're going through this time period in their life, they're going to experience more hot flashes. And so just sometimes removing the stress can lower hot flashes, certainly regulating their blood sugar and getting enough food and enough vitamins and nutrients to support themselves can also certainly help with blood sugar. And that's why if you follow Dr. Ray Pete, he'll say things like it's simple as just consuming sugar can help regulate blood sugar. Gonna sneeze. Almost a sneeze. <laughs> Sorry. And so you talked about so like obviously this is quite common when you're going through perimenopause and menopause, but younger women can experience it too. Younger Sometimes. women and men. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you can have these people, you can have stress responses, uh, yes, at younger years for sure. So mm -hmm. and those are more women that are actually starting to have maybe they don't have their period or maybe they have mm -hmm. PCOS or they're having some other kind of hormonal hormonal response, but it's normally not because they have a lack of estrogen. Right. I mean, if if it was a lack of estrogen that was creating uh, hot flashes and all teenage girls before puberty would have hot flashes because they have low estrogen levels at those times. So it's starting when they start to come into puberty and so forth. Right. When they have more surges of estrogen on the side, they have hot flashes. But young girls aren't having hot flashes. They mm. don't have a lot of estrogen. Right. So another theory is that it's the lack of estrogen of a body that used to have estrogen that is also creating that. Mm. So, you know, when you, when you read the kind of the literature and you read a lot of the explanations, what you kind of fall into that there isn't like, it doesn't seem to be this like super definite understanding across all boards of what exactly is creating this. Yeah. Okay, cool. And you talked briefly about, you know, what can we do to fix the hot flushes? So, you know, and making sure you're eating enough 
getting nutrients in, balancing your blood sugar. Like we we were talking about this before on the uh before we jumped on, but we work with lots of women in their forties and fifties and who ex- are experiencing all these symptoms. And when you know so many of them have improvements, just doing some of this basic stuff. Yeah, and I think that's why when you look at it in the, this light of that, it's it, it's a symptom of a, of a stress response, right? It's a symptom that you're having because that your body's kind of dysregulating. And, and if you kind of pay attention to, so some women can get 20, 30 hot flashes a day, which would, I would imagine is quite miserable. And so when they get night sweats at night, right? The body's dysregulated. So if you have a conversation with these individuals, you're normally going to find that they're probably not eating enough or they're skipping meals through the day and they're running around their head cut off and they probably have had perimenopausal symptoms for the last four or five years, maybe something prior, maybe some irregular periods, maybe sleepless nights. So there's like lots of things building up. And then, you know, so nobody is like eating a perfect diet, getting lots of rest, getting some sun, you know, trying to be more resilient to their stress or be able to maintain their stress levels. That's normally not happening for someone that's having a lot of hot flashes. And so if you can fix it, by regulating someone, which is going to help the stress response, then we have to go back to, well, huh, that's interesting. You know, why would that happen? And so what are, what are we getting when we have a stress response, right? Elevated adrenaline, cortisol, serotonin, right? Estrogen can certainly elevate under stress. So it doesn't seem to make sense that a lack of it would be creating this. And so, and again, it all comes back, well, what is working to fix it? Does regulating somebody to, to try to get them things that are going to help regulate blood sugar and de-stress and support energy production and do those all help. They absolutely all help. Mm. So um, that is usually a more challenge. You know, obviously we know by trying to keep your diet and doing all these things can be a little bit more challenging. There's certainly other things that are being promoted that can get rid of hot flashes and certainly taking estrogen can also get rid of hot flashes. And yeah. You know, now we've had a discussion with this about with Dr. Keith, but the, the exact mechanism of why that happening, because it is certainly happened. You, you talk to women all the time. They get on HRT, they get on or uh, ERT. Now they call it uh, menopausal hormone therapy. So it's now technically called MHT. Um, and they take it and they feel a crap ton better. And so, well, why is that then, right? If, if an excess is crap, uh, actually creating it and you take more and it gets rid of it what is exactly happening and apparently it is the surge of the additional amount and a large dose of estrogen than your body would normally have can actually suppress some of the other hormones that might increase nitric oxide so a large dose of estrogen can actually have an effect on adrenaline and serotonin and those alone can help decrease nitric oxide which would decrease the flushing and so that is the response. That is the understanding of why this large dose of estrogen does work. Mm. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, it is. Cause it t- kind of doesn't make sense on some level, yeah. but, um, because you would think it would do the ex- the app, the absolute opposite, but it doesn't, but you know, on some level it's, it's, so it's kind of the, the dose makes the poison, I guess. So it's, it's really just, um, suppressing the symptom, like not really treating the underlying cause. No, the, the mechanism of why it's working, it's actually, I think, suppressing some of the other stressed hormones that, are that raised might be, that might be, of, might be, yes, that might yeah. be elevating or having that effect on the nitric oxide of, you know, it might be opening up the blood vessel. So these yeah. other ones like serotonin and adrenaline, I guess, can yeah. have a more vasoconstriction effect, which would yeah. decrease the flushing effect. So 
Yeah. So long, long term, like obviously it'll make you feel better and short term, but then it's not like the stress is still there potentially. Potentially. Um, You know, to me, it's a very fascinating topic because, and you know, we kind of talked about this before is there's lots of data that says women that take estrogen replacement therapy or hormone replacement therapy, it might actually be just ERT, um, have least in their studies live longer. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and I guess if you compared that to somebody that was being miserable (laughs) and not doing anything, that could be very true. Mm. And, you know, the theory is too, that, you know, people that are on hormone replacement theory, probably at the bottom line, might be healthier than the general public in general, right? They, they even know to go to that space. They even know to go to their doctors to look for that. They even have that accessibility to do that. So they might overall just have, you know, maybe it's, they have a, a more ability to choose better food. I don't know, but that's a theory that, you know, that when we look at these studies of women that do live longer, that they were actually healthier to begin with. And again, if you are having all of these symptoms and you're not sleeping and you feel like garbage and you do nothing, right. Versus trying to clean the diet up and do all the other things that would actually improve it. Then I could see definitely why that would have a negative effect on your health. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's always this balance about what are you going to do? Yes. Does estrogen therapy also have a whole lot of side effects long-term? Yeah, absolutely. Right. We we definitely know that it increases blood clotting. And that's why even women in their 20s and between, I think, 20 and 39, we would have double the risk of a stroke than a man. And it's probably primarily, I guess, due to the facts of estrogen or birth control or Mm -hmm. some of these things that women are taking. Um, And so and then certainly as women get older, um, we I think we have a three times greater chance of having a stroke than a man. So Mm -hmm. estrogen is certainly playing a role in that. So then if you take even more, right, Mm -hmm. can that increase your chances? 100 percent it does. Mm, mm. Um, and so like, why do women's report sometimes they have more energy while taking estrogen? Uh, well, estrogen is excitatory, so it can have that excitatory effect on the brain. Um, I read a study just recently that was comparing, it was in rats, but it was comparing, um, they had rats that had higher levels of estrogen and when than rats that had lower levels. And the, the, the rats that actually had the higher levels of estrogen had a higher response to the cocaine. So it has this an additional excitatory effect on the system. So women that take it actually start to feel like they're sharper, you know? So they, so then, then the conclusion is, and you do these studies with women that they feel I'm, I feel sharper, you know, again, if you get, take cocaine, you are going to be super sharp. You get some adrenaline, you're super sharp, you're awake, right? That's the effect sure, uh, of those things. I can remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, I am Einstein. I mean, but you, you start to think more clear, right? It's just yeah. the same effects that your body would have when you're right. under a state of like fight or flight. You're like, your brain's like, got to make quick decisions. Yeah. And so it kind of has that effect. So there's some level, is it good for the brain, right? Because women report that they actually can think clearer, right? They can respond faster. They feel sharper, so forth when they're taking something like this. Mm. Um, but, you know, women have a much greater chance of having Alzheimer's dementia, dementia than men do. Why mm. is that? Right. What, I mean, again, is it, could it be linked to yes, having more estrogen in the system? Absolutely. I can. Mm. Mm. Now, can you like, so like some of the women that we work with, they'll make all the changes to their nutrition, you know, their lifestyle and better sleep, take some supplements. And then some of them will supplement with progesterone. So like, you know, mostly we recommend, I know there's a few different brands out there, but 
Dr. Pete's progestee and they'll, you know, have a further improvement in their symptoms and sleep better. So can you just talk a bit about why that happens and why progesterone, taking progesterone is good? <laughs> well, not good, but you know, like it's not, it's not like estrogen, supplement with estrogen. Right. I mean, progesterone is a far more protective hormone. Um, I certainly don't think everybody needs to be taking progesterone. And if you're just starting on your journey, I don't think that's the first route that you should go. I mean, can you talk some... a little bit about why, what it does? So like if you take it and you're undernourished and underfueled, what's going to happen? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of effects that can happen, but for, let's just say a woman who, let's say she's starting to have irregular periods or she's now going into menopause. So she has no cycle at this point, and, but she's had a lot of stress up until these points or it's kind of dysregulating. And then she just takes a bunch of progesterone. So she can start having negative effects because one thing that when, when there is a lack of progesterone, estrogen will sequester into your tissue. And so sometimes taking progesterone will pull more estrogen from the tissue. And so you'll have these estrogenic responses when you aren't taking progesterone. So they can honestly feel worse. And then, then the other part of that is if there haven't been supporting, let's say detox, fu detox functions, you know, and their liver and then getting enough fuel, then now they're dumping all this estrogen into their blood and they can't now detoxify it. So it starts recirculating, goes back into the tissue and just creates more havoc. So then they start taking progesterone and they're reporting things, I'm gaining weight. You know, I feel like I have edema and all of these negative things. So they're like, you know, progesterone is bad. And for that, for that situation, because they haven't kind of done the other things to help support the system, it, they can have a very negative response. So that's why it's always recommended to, again, support your foundation, right? Make sure you're getting enough fuel in. Make sure you're getting enough protein and B vitamins to support your liver's function, right? Because mm. you'll get these women that are totally under eating, not eating enough protein, mm. not getting enough nutrition, body super stressed out, take progesterone, and all of a sudden they feel like dog shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not everybody. Some, some it can absolutely be a miracle for right off the bat. So it, this isn't true for every person, obviously, but it can certainly happen. And regardless, it's still very important to make sure that the system is well supported before you're adding a hormone into it. Not, not everybody needs a hormone. A lot of people just need support nutritionally. It maybe takes a little bit more time, but it's going to give you usually a better response long-term. And I think you too, like, you just need to make those changes anyway. You know, like if you want to be healthy long-term and feel better, it's like, you've just got to, I spoke to this lady yesterday. She was so lovely, Kate. You know, when you just want to like reach out and hug them. Yeah. And she was just so authentic and so raw and so real. And she got on the call and she's like, oh, you know, I've been looking to do a program for a while. And she's like, I just really like you, Kitty, because you swear. So, you know, like, you, <laughs> oh, like a oh, good one. And she's like, you know, you really, you share openly. And she's just telling me about her kids. She's got these two young kids and she's like, how old is she? 40. I think she's in her no, 38, I think. And, um, you know, she's had this, she's quite driven and she's got this job in HR and she just, you know, type A personality, but her kids are like special needs. Um, and that's been really hard and really stressful. And she just like has basically run herself into the ground. And she's like, I think I'm going through per perimenopause. And she told me about all these symptoms. I'm like, I think you're just fucking stressed as fuck and you need to eat more and like take some more time out because she was just nearly crying on the call. And she goes, I know. She's like, that's why I'm here because I've seen all these fucking naturopaths and all of these people that have just prescribed me. Want, they want me to get me on the marina, on the pill. This naturopath's giving me all of these supplements. And she's like, I've just been following you for a while. And she's like, you know, I don't get enough sleep. 
I don't carve time out to do any activity for myself. I'm just stressed all the time. And she's like, I need to, I need someone to hold me accountable to make myself a priority again. And I know I can see what you're saying and I need to eat more and eat more nutrient dense food. She's like, I'm ready. I'm ready to make the lifestyle changes. So it just shows like, I'm not saying, what can we say? We take supplements. Fuck, we got to open the cupboards. Like fucking George, every sort of supplement that Georgie has is in there that we've tried. <laughs> tried. Yeah. But, and I, yeah, absolutely. No, I don't think anybody's against supplements. I think no, supplements yeah, can, yeah. can actually be the thing that, that pushes you over the edge and they yeah. can have, a, and they can have a remarkable response to someone that maybe is super deficient in something. Right. Yeah. But, but if you're relying on supplements and that's it, you, and even if you get a really amazing response from one um, that it normally doesn't stick. Mm. And so it kind of creates a response, but then it, what my experience is a lot of times you can take a lot of something. And then if you're not creating that foundation, then it, it kind of falls off the edge in the other way. Right. Then maybe mm-hmm. it creates some sort of deficiency somewhere else or, or something, but mm-hmm. you know, again, and I think everybody needs to go on their journey to figure out kind of where they're at. But in my experience, it definitely is look, if you can build a really good foundation and then try certain supplements, I think mm-hmm. you're going to get a much better and safer response. And then maybe you don't even need them right? Cause they mm. can be expensive. And so, yeah. but some are amazing and some yeah. people respond really well to them. And yeah. so you kind of have to, but kind of figure out your, kind of your path. But I think you're right. A, a lot of it comes from taking a step back and go, I need to change my life. Um, <laughs> and I think all of us would just be like to go, I want, you know, a lot of people like, I just want to continue to live my crazy ass life. Yeah. And if I could just take a supplement to get rid of some of these symptoms, that would be great. I mean, it's basically, that's the, the medical approach, you know, in a supplement, right? And so mm-hmm. we, we don't want to go into that space, like, and, and obviously changing your life takes a lot more changes and a lot mm-hmm. more decision and a lot more, I, I, if I want to be healthy, I need to make choices that a healthy person would take. What does that look like? Usually it's not, I take 17 supplements. It's <laughs> okay. I, you yeah. know, have time for myself. What does that look? I mean, obviously a mother and she has, cha- you know, two challenged ch- children's, uh, that's it, yeah. a lot. That is, that's a lot, you know? Oh, so-, so I just said to her, I was like, I just wanted to hug her. And, and she's like, but you know what, Kitty, like, I'm just making these excuses. Cause she's like, my, my boss is fucking amazing. He said, he sat me down the other day cause she's like, I didn't have any makeup on and I hadn't like done my hair. And he, he was like, you look like shit. <laughs> you you give everything to this business. Like you need to take some time for yourself. So she's like, I would be able to take some time because he goes to the gym in his work time. He would just let me, you know, cause she's like, I already train one day a week and I know when I train and I eat well, I feel really good and I sleep better. And she's like, he would let me just take an hour off at lunchtime to train. I just have to tell him that's what I want to do. So I have to choose yeah. to, to do it. And so she knows. And, and she's, yeah. And she's a lucky one, right? Not everybody yeah. have those same options, yeah. but if you do, but you know, everybody has, you know, I tell everyone, I go, I want you to go look at your phone mm. and tell me how much time you spend on it today. Oh, totally. Um, right. How yeah. much usage are you doing? Go onto your social, you have social media. How much time are you spending? Yeah. And if it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, two hours, three hours, right. You should just be, everyone was watching too much TV, right. Then they were yeah, spending yeah, yeah. too much. Now they're on social media too much. Right. It's like the, the time is there. And again, and that's not everyone. Some people are just, their, I mean, your, their lives yeah. are absolutely crazy. And, but, you know, but at, at the end of the day, look, if a lot of people are, are needing you to support for the, you know, for you to support them, mm. you're going to be no good to them if you can barely get out of bed. And if, if that's the path you're going on right now, you know, you've got to, for them, if you can't do it for yourself, 
start taking care of yourself because yeah. guess what? If you don't take care of them or yourself, they're going to be taking care of you. Um, yeah. and you know, and some of those are kind of those, so, you know, getting on that, I mean, it's sometimes for people, you just like, look, you need to write out why you want to get healthy. Yeah. Why is this important to you? You know, why are all these things that you want to do? And again, you can certainly take paths that might be quicker fixes and mm. no judgment. Some people, that's what they need to do. Or if you really want to support the system and your health and get through this in a way that you don't have to do that, then there's, there is absolutely a path for that. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I sort of got off track there. Yeah. That um, was off tracker. Yeah. <laughs> but relevant, I think, but relevant. Always um, relevant. So can you talk about how a low metabolism like plays a role in estrogen and progesterone levels? So if we can, again, you kind of look at estrogen as a stress hormone. So a low body temperature will actually stimulate more estrogen production and more estrogen production in itself can inhibit liver detoxification. And so that kind of will have this whole effect, right? So if you're not supporting the liver, you have deficiencies in protein and B vitamins, then you're just going to keep recirculating a lot of estrogen. And that's why, again, and that's going to throw off that estrogen progesterone balance because a lot of women think that we only produce estrogen from our ovaries. We don't, right? That's one place you're going to primarily produce estradiol from your ovaries, but you also produce it in all your fat tissue. And if you have more fat tissue, you will produce more estrogen. And if you're under more stress, you're going to produce more estrogen. And so all of these play a role. And so that's why when, if you gain weight or you're really stressed, your period might feel more wonky. You might feel worse. You might feel that imbalance and, you know, imbalance is kind of this weird world because a weird word, because it's not like you have the same amount of estrogen to progesterone and there's a balance. There isn't right. You will actually have far more progesterone than estrogen. But when you say balance, when you have the right amount of each, they tend to have, that's when you have, you know, a a good period, you don't have all these symptoms and kind of the same thing as you start to go into perimenopause and menopause, right? We still are looking for that balance. What the, the thing is that when you do stop ovulating that primarily, cause that's when you produce most of your progesterone, there's going to be certainly an imbalance going on. You still mm -hmm. can produce some in your adrenals, but you also want to make sure that your body is able to detoxify what you have in it. And mm -hmm. that's why liver, support is so important. And that's why we always talk about having a binder in your, to help kind of bind to things like estrogen or cholesterol or whatever, to kind of get it out of your system. Because if it's just sitting in there and then you're not kind of taking it with you through the GI, then again, it could just recirculate. So it's certainly a reason why something like the carrot salad is recommended or other fibrous things like bamboo shoots or even the cooked mushrooms, mm -hmm. because they are good binders mm -hmm. and they can help actually re help remove some of those things for estrogen from your system. Mm, okay, cool. Um, does estrogen help with blood pressure and how? Uh, it can. I mean, there certainly it shows that it does, but the reason is, and this is kind of what we just talked about, estrogen in itself can increase um, nitric, oxi nit nitric oxide. And since nitric oxide is a vasodilator, so it'll open up the blood vessels. So anytime you open up the blood vessels, you can certainly increase blood pressure. Um, and it's doing that in a way that, right. We think, well, that should be a good thing. And I think that's why a lot of people are very promo about nitric oxide. It gets a lot of 
press, certainly in the athletic industry, that's going to help increase your pump and performance recovery, because it is opening up blood vessels. The problem is in excess or in chronic use, nitric oxide also inhibits the usage of oxygen. Mm -hmm. So it, you can actually consider it as an antioxidant. So although you're increasing the blood flow, your body has an inability to utilize the oxygen and that's going to create a state of hypoxia. Um, so a better choice is to use our master um, kind of antioxidant or mass vasodilator, which would be carbon dioxide, which mm -hmm. we know that carbon dioxide actually facilitates and helps oxygen getting into the tissue. But that is only going to come with a, a well-running metabolism, the usage of, of a lot of carbohydrates as energy, and that's when we get a better response. And that alone can create that vasodilation. So nitric oxide is more of the quick stress response um, hormone that goes off when we need, you know, you need something to open up very quickly. I think that's probably why they give it to people they think are having strokes or heart attacks because it can immediately open up those blood vessels, but you don't want to have it chronically all the time. Yep. Um, is estrogen protective for the brain? Uh, same kind of responses we kind of talked about a second ago when is it good for the brain as far as, because it works as it's excitatory. So mm. no, <laughs> because <laughs> the studies um, that it gives it, like I said, that's an excitatory response. And it, since it does increase things like nitric oxide, right. It can also inhibit oxygen um, mm. usage, right? So do you want to inhibit your oxygen usage for your brain? Yeah. Um, no. So that's why also, you know, we see in women, we, women have a far greater chance of getting Alzheimer's and dementia than men. Now, some might attribute it because women live longer. So there's just more years to get mm. something, but also it's just, again, if you kind of look at what estrogen can do, certainly having that can also, I think, have a contributing factor. Mm. And, um, so women experience dementia at a double rate to men. Why do you think? Well, just kind of like I said, could be that they are exposed to estrogen for much, a lot more years than men are, right? We do have a cycle. So there's lots of, because at least during our cycling years, we have the protective progesterone. So there is that balance that protects us. So as again, and then as women get older yep. and then as men get older, because men can also produce estrogen in their tissue, right? They can do the exact same thing in their fat cells. They can convert things like testosterone into estrogen via the aromatase. And so, and that's why you can see men even later in life can have higher levels of estrogen than their, their women partners because of that factor. So do you think then, Kate, and again, I don't be, be careful on what I'm saying here because you're like, you know, you don't like to say things like this because everyone then goes out and goes, oh, I'm going to take this. But like, could it be beneficial for women after they go through menopause to supplement with some natural progesterone for the rest of their life? Um, I think, again, I think it just comes down to the person. Does everybody need to supplement with progesterone the rest of their life? No. Can some people go without it and utilize food and diet and, you know, all the other things that we talk about? Absolutely. But is there a one size fits all? It seems that too, in today's world, because there's a lot of stress and there's a lot mm. of things that can be stimulating to us. I think a lot of women do do well utilizing progesterone later in their years. So we've, um, yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to ask is, uh, would it be detrimental? Like, it, let's just say, obviously you're doing all the basic shit, right? 
but you know, like you said, you can still make estrogen in your fat tissues and we get stressed and life is stressful. So if, if a woman was doing all the basics right, but then was supplementing with some progesterone, natural progesterone for the rest of their life, is there an issue with that? Uh, I don't, I can't sit there and say for every individual what the mm. situation would be, because I don't think we actually have any study or research on mm. that. I mean, overall progesterone, natural progesterone is quite safe. I don't think in my experience, I've really seen anybody that has a, a truly negative response from it either, unless they're just initially starting it and they haven't done all the other stuff to maybe support their system. Um, and also, you know, for some women, if they have severe, really, really high levels of estrogen in their body, you know, even large dosages of progesterone don't seem to have an effect. But again, yeah. everybody can be different, have different situations. And some mm. women seem to take progesterone and then get a very stimulating effect from it. And if you mm. don't have enough nutrition, I think to support taking something like that, you can still have a negative effect. So mm. I think it's something to talk to your health practitioner, doctor, whoever you work with about something like that before you just run off and get on it mm -hmm. and make sure that your body is as healthy as it possibly can without doing that. To me, mm -hmm. like supplements should always be a second thought because mm -hmm. we don't want to, we need to get away from all the quick fixes because the yeah, quick yeah, fixes yeah. create just this kind of response. And a lot of times, you know, and I'll hear it, it's like, oh, I got on it and it was awesome. And then in a month, everything seems to fall apart because they haven't done the other things. Yep. And so look, we got to still create that foundation. There's no getting away from doing all the, the, the work stuff. I mean, you can mm. keep supplementing and taking things and so forth, and maybe you will mitigate some of the symptoms, but usually mm. something else shows up eventually. Mm. Okay, cool. Um, and women show increased rates of heart disease after menopause. Do you think this could possibly be due to unopposed estrogen? they have increased rates of heart disease. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would actually think certainly that can play a role. I would actually think a lot of that has to do with iron mm -hmm. and iron exposure. Um, mm -hmm. I think that one of the gifts of having a period is you get a monthly detox of iron and, you know, maybe some people on here be like, but you need iron and I'm anemic and all these other things. And you might be, um, you know, there's certainly, if you are a really, 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 really heavy bleeder, and maybe you don't consume a lot of iron rich foods, that's a possibility. Uh, for most people, I don't really think that that's true. I think they don't regulate iron properly, but because mm -hmm. you need other nutrients to do that. And if you aren't eating foods that have a good amount of vitamin A or copper in them, you won't regulate iron properly. And iron will sequester into your tissue to, to try to save you. Essentially, it's try to go into places that aren't going to totally kill you. But having too much iron exposure can certainly contribute to things like heart attacks. I think dementia, Alzheimer's, all of those things can definitely because <clears throat> that's one of I think the main reasons women pre menopause have less issues with heart disease, and then yep. as soon as they get through menopause, they catch up to men. And you put a little note in here when we were talking about the podcast is women have strokes at double the rate in their twenties and then yeah. again later in life. Yeah. So I think it, exposure probably to birth control or yeah. other estrogen substances is probably, or just having a, a cycle and maybe there are, you know, so many women have irregular periods right now at very young ages and mm. maybe because they're dieting and they're being vegan or just <laughs> history and not necessarily genetics, but maybe their parents weren't that happy. I mean, are not happy, not that healthy. Something that I find really fascinating today is 
you know, I've been probably working with people for 25 years and more so recently, I see a lot more women, younger women having all these metabolic issues. And mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just because their parents weren't as healthy as the parents before that and, or mm -hmm. whatever, or there's more stress on them. So that's kind of just had this more of this. And again, I don't think it's genetic. I just think it's a cellular issue. Like their cells and their systems is starting at already a deficient state. Maybe they're don't have enough minerals or nutrients mm. or whatever that is. So they're already coming out struggling mm. or they're already, but it also could just be the amount of toxic exposure that they're getting already mm. at early ages, whether it's food, water, air, social media, <laughs> right? Mm. Not enough sun, not going outside anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's so many variables about what, what is happening to us as a human population. Like we're not yeah. really getting healthier. We have yeah. all this technology and yeah. all of these things that, I mean, they're, they're, you know, obviously we can do things now that we could never do 10, 20, 30 years ago that are saving lives. But yeah. it's also where if you look around you, we don't look healthier. We, we mm. actually look sicker. We're having far more issues and diseases and so forth. And why is that? Is it one thing? Absolutely not. There's a million different variables. And mm. that's why it's always when you look at just one thing and you study that and, and, you know, there's never any trial that can't have many more variables. We try to isolate just one thing but there are always going to be other variables. But when you have a compounding effect of a lot of different things, right? Is estrogen therapy or getting on hormone replacement theory like the end all, is it just going to murder you and kill you? No, right? <laughs> <laughs> and for some women, that might be the absolute right decision. And, but in a, and if you are already stress upon stress upon stress upon stress, and you have all these other exposures, and then you're going to add that on top of it, could it start having a detrimental effect? And could it increase your chances of a lot of other things? certainly can. It's going to have that other effect on you. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you have a completely healthy life, you know, I mean, and you have accessibility to good healthcare and all these other things, right. It might just have, it might not have that much of an impact on your overall health or, or life consequences at the end, right. Because you have other mm -hmm. things available to you. So there's mm -hmm. so many different variables that can have an effect on you. And I think it's our job to kind of address and look at all those with a, an individual and go, okay, can your body handle this? Is there another route that might be safer for you? You know, what can you do? What can you afford? You know, what can we manage in your life to support you? So maybe mm. you don't have to do something that, you know, that can have a side effect and it does have side effects. No medical doctor will deny that. Yeah. Um, and, and we just want to, you know, make sure that you have the best chances moving forward. I think it's also, and this is just sort of side note to this, something that happened a few days ago with a friend of mine. She, um, you know, like women, I think they rely so heavily on doctors to tell them what to do in terms of their cycle and this sort of menopause. So that where they get their information from, like they just, they just assume that this is the right thing to do. So this friend of mine, she, we were just messaging. She's like, oh, I'm just at the doctors talking about what options I've got for birth control because they finished having their kids. And you know me, I'm just like, <laughs> Because I said, to her, look, you know me. I said, I'm just going to send you some information. I said, look, you might know this already, but, <laughs> but if you don't, you know, like just t talk to her a little about the cycle and how your cycle works and, you know, why it's important we ovulate and what, what the function of what progesterone does and why it's so important. Then I just sent her some links to some reading and stuff. And I said, and some podcasts that I've done with all the people on the menstrual cycle and, you know, um, at birth control. I said, just before you do anything, can you just promise me that you'll read all of this? And then you'll 
think about what you're doing. So anyway, she came out the next day and she's like, I've just read all that information. She's like, oh my God, Kitty, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about the cycle. She's like, this is just a no brainer. I can't go on con- contraception. And then I sent her this FAM course, Fertility Awareness Method. I said, look, just learn this. I said, it's really easy to take temperature and like look for this. I said, it's really easy. Like once you track a few months, you'll know, you know, and there's only like five or six days where you can actually fall pregnant. So she's bought the thermometer and she's like getting into the course. But I think so many women just don't know. Or you just take the doctor's word for what they're saying. Like they go, look, just take the pill. They don't really tell you about the risks or what what's actually happening or why it's important that you ovulate or, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the doctor's job at today to see you and try to give you something to remove your symptom. Mm. That's, I mean, that's about what they have time for, right? They're not, mm. they're not going to sit down with you for an hour. They don't have an hour. They have 10 to 15 minutes. And for a lot of people, they're going into how do I get rid of this symptom or mm-hmm. whatever, right? They like, I don't want to get pregnant. What are my options? And, and quite honestly, they're, they're giving you the options that they've studied and know. And those are all, you know, this is what you can do. You can have IUD, you can yeah. have birth control, right? Here are your options that I know of to teach you, mm. right? They, they don't, their job has no longer about, all right, let me get you out a chart. We're going to watch this. <laughs> We're going to watch this movie on your cycle. And so you can understand it fully, right? Well, that would be nice, right? I mean, I, I mean, I, I, what did we go into sex ed when I was like 10 or 12, right? Nobody told you about your cycle and your hormones and what it all meant and why it's important, right? Like to me, that should be a mandatory class for all 14 year olds, for everyone to actually understanding of the biology of it all and have a deep understanding of how this cycle works. Um, mm. I never really understood my cycle growing up. I, knew, I, knew I had a period. I thought it was annoying. I right? know. It's like, and, fuck yeah, no period. Like take the pill, no period. This is the best. Yeah. yeah. Or when I was under eating and, and over exercising, I mean, I had no period for six months. Yeah. I was raising some sliced bread. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah. I, so convenient. Yeah. Yay! My body is so <laughs> struggling. I'm not having, yeah. I, did, I, had, I had no concept of really what that meant. And I will say that the younger generation, because there is so much information available to them, a lot of them do have some understanding on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. So they, they, that I think is really something that has come out of like things like social media. There's, mm. there's a lot of information available that has, I think, allowed them to make better choices. Mm. But I still think, you know, yes, there needs to be a general education on your body so you can make good decisions on your health and real like conversations on what this all means if you're going to put yourself on a something like birth control or hormones or yeah, ERT yeah, yeah. and giving and give them all the statistics, right? All of them. Yeah. And you know, they do change. There's constantly doing studies, but a deep understanding of all of it. And because I mm. do feel the medical community, they are getting a lot of information, obviously based on studies that a good majority are funded by the pharmaceutical companies. And mm. so, and that's where a lot of their information is coming from. So mm. again, um, you know, get, get, get all. <laughs> well, look, I was, I was pretty happy. I saved one sides. woman, one woman from birth control. I was like, yay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it, there, there's, there's reasons maybe you should do it and there's reasons that you shouldn't and understand all of it. And then you mm. make an informed decision for them yourself, right? Mm. Because, um, yeah, it affects your health, you know, yeah, putting yeah. something in you like that. So, and certainly you shouldn't be taking it just to help clear up your acne or for other reasons, right? I mean, there are definitely ways to improve your cycle without getting on birth control. 
Mm-hmm. Awesome. Is there anything else that we, you want to add in that we haven't covered? Uh, oh, if you, you could quickly finish off with what what are some practical things? Because I think you know some women will be listening to this and they're new, like to the podcast. So you know we're talking about these things like the carrot salad and the like. So maybe some basic things that they can do. So eating enough, getting enough protein. Like, oh, are we talking yeah. in the reference of like just hot flashes? Like, yeah, how yeah, and improving the menopausal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So I would say the number one thing that will improve a woman's hot flashes or how many she has is just regulating her blood sugar, which means eating carbs, fat, protein, whatever that frequency works for you, but making sure because a right first, we know that is going to help with any sort of binging cycles, but that, that alone balancing that throughout the day, because now her body's not responding all over the place with increases in stress hormones that will help get rid of in my experience. 50 to 80 percent of them so that right. like practically kate would look like eating breakfast within 30 minutes of waking so ex- as an example and i'm not saying that everyone needs to eat this but this is just an example you might have some eggs like this is what i had this morning i had t- toasted sourdough muffin with egg and cheese and some orange and some strawberries and a coffee with milk full cream milk and maple syrup and collagen so yep. protein carbs fat had it within yep. half an hour of waking and then yep. every would you say three to five hours and making sure you have another balanced like balance it again so again this is just an example Don't need to eat <laughs> this exact thing i just want to pre- say that so like my lunch today is or this week is i'm having um prawns with broth chicken broth with rice noodles which is carbs with some fruit and then i have some chopped up veggies in there some salt mm. that's pretty simple mm-hmm then, you know, some yogurt with some fruit and some honey, you know, like, and so eating these regular well-balanced meals throughout the day. Yes. And again, that can change the amounts for each person, right? But generally speaking, you'll have more carbs and protein and more protein than fat somewhere along that line. It's going to be different for everybody, you know, but yes, regular meals throughout the day, finding out what your body can manage is a huge solution to hot flashes. It's not mm. the only solution. And maybe that doesn't get rid of all of them. Mm. Obviously looking at your life and the stresses in your life is going to also play the role, right? So if you are running around with a chicken with your head cut off um, and just trying to eat your way out of that, it can still be challenging to regulate yourself. And as we always say, look, you, you are built to live a full life and do lots of things, but for you to do that healthfully, you've got to fuel yourself. And so if you've been under fueling yourself for, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 years, which is true for a lot of women or eating irregular, meaning they underfuel themselves for five days a week and then overfuel themselves for two days a week, because that's why they're still in a weight, uh, gaining process, mm. then, then just maybe regulating the meals might not be enough for you because your body's still having way too many demands and you can keep up with. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. looking at your life and going, okay, what things can I take off right now? How can I manage my stress? What can I do to make my life a little bit easier? Can that help? Absolutely. Can every woman do that? No, not everybody has that option. They actually can't maybe take something. Maybe they're, they got a couple of kids. I mean, I talked to a lady the other day has nine children. Holy uh, shit. That's what I said to her. I was like, I, I, I go. <laughs> Did you say holy shit? Those exact words? I, I mean, I yeah. just was like, God bless you. I don't, I, don't, I have no idea. You know, and then wow. there's people obviously have more, right? Amazing. I mean, and 
she was literally on the phone with me and managing them at the same time. I mean, it was just quite remarkable. I can't even imagine it, Kate. I can't even imagine what that would be like. It's just kind of like having like a soccer team living in your house all the time. That's so, so I mean, funny. I gave it, I gave her credit. I mean, I'm like, uh, you know, but, uh, but, but you got to like find where you can give an, and pull in your life. Like what, yeah. where can you create space? You know, yep. what can we do? Um, Cause it's not going to change. You can't continue to live the same life and expect a different result. We know that, right. Yep. We've got to make changes, even if they're small and steady. So yep. honestly, those things are probably the big ones, right? Making sure you eat nutrient rich foods, lots of fruits and juices mm. and you know, good cooked, well-cooked potatoes, um, eating your liver and your oysters, like total foods that have tons and tons and tons of nutrition in them. So we can help support that energy cycle. That's mm. going to serve you. Those mm. are going to be super healthy to you. Um, again, liver support. Mm. So eating enough protein. Yep. So how much would you say at a minimum per day? I know. Very, like, very, yeah. Let's, for a, for a non-active woman, um, I usually would say 80 grams would be the minimum. And I would say 60 complete protein with maybe 20 grams of collagen, right? Still, yeah. still 80 grams. But and if you you're know, active, uh, which a lot of the women who listen to this podcast sure, are. Sure, could be more. anywhere from 100 to 150. Mm. Yeah, we um, I find that's a sort of range. Like yeah. I eat about 160, but 20 yeah. grams of that is collagen. Yeah. That's about 140. Yeah. Which seems yeah. to work well. But again, like this is, everyone's got to find that. What yeah. Works for them. And you're, you kind of just went through like a fat loss phase, right? So you're yeah. like super lean right now. So it certainly is beneficial to bump that protein up at that point in time. I just um, find someone, too, with me, like, I'm like, I feel like I can't eat less than that. Like my portions of fucking like at lunchtime, I have a hundred grams of prawns. My dinner is a hundred grams of like steak or whatever, but then because I drink milk and eat cheese and yogurt and then ice cream, it really bumps that protein up. So for me to eat under that and to get the collagen in, I feel like I'm like eating these tiny little, you know, I just, I always wonder how the fuck do women not, are they not able to eat enough protein? I have to like try and keep it down. Otherwise I'll eat too much. If that makes sense. Well, and I, and I, I will say that if you're really healthy, you can manage a lot of more complete proteins. Like your body can assimilate and utilize it. And with a healthy body and in a severely metabolically compromised individual, having a lot of protein, protein can be detrimental. It just yeah. doesn't really help them. So it's kind of like, where, where are you in this? You know, and, and for someone like that, if they're really compromised, yeah, 80 grams is usually mm -hmm. fine. Um, mm -hmm. As they get healthier, they can add more because at, you know, at the bottom line is protein added to your meal creates more satiety yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it helps with blood sugar regulation. It, it makes, you know, it's, it's just helpful. And so yeah. you will slowly start to increase it probably as you get more healthy where your goals change, maybe you can add in weight training and so forth. But mm. yeah, for the, for the, for the minimum, I would say 80 grams. Mm -mm. Um, okay, cool. All right. Anything else? Uh, and then of course there are just general supplementations you could take that could help things like niacinamide, because that actually does inhibit nitric oxide. There's methylene blue also can inhibit nitric oxide. Um, there is, again, as we talked about progesterone, which in itself can kind of balance out the estrogen. So that alone can help women definitely have reported uh, less hot flashes utilizing progesterone. Mm. So I think anything that is anti-stress can be helpful. And all mm. those things are anti-stress salt, Sugar, oh, you're going to say salt's a massive one. We find that with clients too. Like they just, when they yep. actually track their salt intake, 
we get them to like measure out, you know, 10 grams in a little container and then measure it at the end of the day. They're like, oh man, I'm only eating like five grams of salt. Yeah. So, and then, yeah. So those things are quite simple. And if you kind of get that foundation set up, then yeah, for the hot flashes can be really, really manageable. And Mm. so can the entire menopausal kind Mm. of uh, time period transition, Mm. as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it doesn't have to be, and it shouldn't be right. It can be just a, a, a different stage of your life and doesn't have to be filled with misery. Cause I mean, the metabolical transition can be seven, eight years. Mm. And so, you know, you, you want it to be as pleasant as possible. And if this <laughs> is the time that you are deciding to focus more on your health, then mm. you definitely can do it in a, in a natural way, utilizing food. Right. And so, and that's, a, I think the part when a lot of, when I read doctors books, so one thing I've noted when I, because I read a lot of different doctors' books on estrogen and hormones and so forth, they never really talk about diet specifically. They might say, you know, maybe eat more fiber and mm. so forth and eat fruits and vegetables, but there's not anything specifically to really have an understanding of why other than, right, these foods might be better or women that have more fiber have left uh, hot flashes or, and and that would make sense because fiber in itself can be a binder and that can help get rid of some of it through your system. Mm. But I think it all, all of it kind of needs to be taken into context. Mm. Okay, cool. All right. Well, thanks so much, Kate. And um, guys, don't forget to uh, rate and review the podcast and take a screenshot of the episode and share it on Instagram stories and tag Kate and I um, and share your biggest takeaways. One, so that we can help other women (laughs) who are going through this shitty time. Um, and two, I pick a winner every month from someone who shared and they get a free tub of saturated premium collagen. So you, oh, go, that's you, exciting. pretty exciting, isn't it? So, you know, share, just help, share to have other women, but also share, you know, so you can win some good shit. Um, thanks again, Kate. It's, that was so helpful. I think that so many women will benefit, uh, from that. And if you haven't read Kate's book, highly recommend it, um, we sell it. She's got Kindle. It's in bloody French. You know, it's just, you can, oh, sorry, it, you book, sorry. It. yep, you can, you can, there's so many ways to consume it, but it's a really good, I think. And it's, it's easy to understand. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, Kate, thanks so much. And, uh, My pleasure. We'll chat soon. Ooh.